Welcome back to School of Science Radio. I'm Gino Ganello, joined as always by Calvin. And this week we bring on a member of the RBM team. Kevin, I don't know. Have you been on yet? This uh, Have you been on the podcast yet? Uh, a couple of times, yeah. No, yes, yeah, that's not, what I thought. Not, not, for a, not for a little while, but yeah. Yeah, yeah that's what I thought. I just want to make sure we introduced you to the... Uh, to the, the, the audience, but we bring on Kevin, who is currently working on our tactics and, and kind of uh, detailing some of the things that um, are going on on the pitch t- tactically. So we're going to get into a, a lot of that today. It's international break. We haven't had any Everton games, which uh, recently has been a good thing for, uh, I think, all of us and our mental health. Um, but we're going to get into a bunch of that. He's going to, Kevin's going to give us some, some breakdowns of what it's been like in the Frank Lampard era, and then we're going to also break down West Ham United. So um, before we do that, though, Calvin, how are you doing today? Doing well. I've been, like you said, getting that mental break from Everton. So this, this has been fantastic. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's been, it's been nice. And even though there has been a little bit of uh, football going on out there, it's I think me and Calvin both, I don't know about you, Kevin, but me and Calvin both have kind of taken a little bit of break, a step away, watched some different sports. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Getting some Formula One in there for me. So, you know, it's, oh, cool, that's back. Cool. So, uh, you know, just, just, just kind of utilizing the international break to uh, get the mind right again. But uh, let's talk about tactics, Kevin. Let's get into this. Um, let's start off here. We haven't really, we, we've broken it down a little bit, but um, we haven't really talked about it tactically and, and really narrowed it down tactically. Um, obviously, you know, maybe the results haven't been different, uh, but the, the uh, tactics have been different between Frank Lampard and Rafa Benitez. Could you, let's start here. Could you just outline maybe a few things? You don't have to go into extreme detail, but a few things that you've seen that have stood out that differ from... Um, that differ from Rafa Benitez to to Frank Lampard. Well, it's quite it's been quite a radical shift, really. I mean, uh, Lampard's brought in uh, this emphasis on uh, you know getting on the ball and uh, playing with the ball, being comfortable in possession, and looking to kind of move the ball, progress it through the thirds, uh, which was not what what we saw with with Rafa at all. I mean, obviously under Benitez. Um, I mean, it was very much uh, kind of a, a mid to low block counter-attacking direct style, uh, taking as few touches as possible on, in transition to get into scoring opportunities or, or, or ideally crossing opportunities for Calvert-Lewin, which obviously got derailed pretty pretty quickly when when Calvert-Lewin got injured. Um, I mean, that was Rafa's basic setup, and I think he was... Left trying to uh, wing it really as soon as uh, Calvert Lewin got injured. I think he was it week four, where uh, maybe yeah. game week four. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. He was out for four months, basically, effectively out for the, the entirety of Benitez's tenure at the club. And um, so I think he was left kind of scrambling around looking for a plan B or, or, or at least a way to kind of modify his basic yeah. approach without having the target man for the crosses. Um, so I mean, in that way, he was a little bit a bit unfortunate. Um, obviously, other things uh, transpired that didn't really, you know, he didn't really make the best of the situation. Um, I mean, Lampard's come in and he's brought a whole new team in. Um, I think only Duncan Ferguson's probably and the goalkeeping coach uh, Kelly 
I think they're the only leftovers yeah. from Benitez's staff. Um, and obviously he's trying to kind of um, replicate the, the, the style of play that he had at Derby and uh, obviously at Chelsea as well, probably more famously. Um, which is, you know, to play out from the back and uh, to play through the midfield pivots, usually two of them, um, in, as we've seen in training clips anyway. Um, and that's his basic philosophy. Uh, it's much more possession-heavy, um, a lot of counter-pressing high up the field, uh, a lot of pressing in general, actually, but certainly counter-pressing, um, which is, you know, it's had successes at home, uh, on the road, he's not really been able to to, to, to find that winner formula as as yet. Um, but that's, I mean, that's just basic. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a, I suppose it's almost as uh, you know, it's almost a one eighty philosophically from what Benitez was doing, which obviously is a bit of a, yeah. it's a bit of a, it's a, it's a bit difficult for the players to to make that adjustment mid season, certainly. Um, you know, without the benefits of a of a pre season schedule and. Weeks and weeks to work on it. He's trying to kind of uh, adapt on the fly, and I don't know whether the you know this batch of Everton players adaptability is necessarily a, you know at a high standard. Um, so we've seen inconsistent results so far. I think, but you know, for, for, for the new approach, which approach do you think better suits this crop of Everton players? <sighs> um, <laughs> <laughs> Oddly enough, uh, probably probably the Benitez approach. <laughs> gotcha, yeah. Um, Which think, is an interesting it's an interesting yeah. thing because I think a lot of people would think otherwise. But hmm. I'd like—I mean, you mentioned yeah. even just the lack of ability to practice this type of thing is probably yeah. hindering them to begin with. Yeah. Well, I think I mean it, yeah. it's Benitez himself did say that this you know this this crop of players. Uh, we're not really at the level uh, in terms of technical ability or whatever to be able to play possession-heavy football, which kind of mirrors what Ancelotti said last year. I mean, he said as well that you know they were not really uh, the kind of players that, that could play with the ball. Mm-hmm. I think Lampard, you know, he's pushing this this um, this um, this style of play, but I mean, I think he's finding out the limitations that a lot of the players have. And, and, and yeah. I think we're seeing that borne out in, in some of the results and performances. Um, I mean, I think some players, I think players that were that were bought for the uh, the Marco Silva pro- project are probably better adapted, to, are better able to adapt sure. to this shift. Uh, some of the other players, I mean, certainly, I mean, Damari Gray, for example, and uh, T- Andros Townsend, who obviously is now injured. Probably, probably done for the season. I think, isn't he, with a with a knee injury? Yeah. Um, I mean, those guys not, are not really well suited to to possession football. You know, they take um, technically. I mean, Gray's a good technical player, but he's. I think he shares a, a limitation that a lot of Everton's wide attackers have, which is they're, they're very much head down, run with the ball, athlete type players, really. And I don't know whether they have the um, the vision or awareness of space and players around them to really to make that possession system work in the in the opposing third. Uh, the, the chance creating creation numbers have been pretty poor, even with us playing on the on the front foot on the Lampard. They, they haven't really improved greatly over what from what Benitez was doing. 
do you, uh, which is a concern. Kevin, do you think, mm-hmm. just on Damari Gray, do you think that the lack of a, you know, obviously with, with Luca Dean playing that left-hand side, he has a, there's an attacking threat down that side. Somebody force you know, the opposition to pay attention to on top of Gray. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that the lack of having, like playing a John Joe Kenny or Ben Godfrey on that left side, has hurt Damari Gray, or do you think, or or is it his injury, or do you think there's, it's really just this? It comes down to the fact that this system doesn't work for him because he was one of our best mm-hmm. players before even getting injured, and then after he's come back from this injury, it feels like he's fallen off to the point where he's not even productive at all. I think it's a combination, really. I think um, obviously he picked yeah. up an injury uh, in, in Lampard's second game in charge against Newcastle. He came off earlier than the, and he was he's. He's only just yeah. returned, returned to the first team. Uh, so I don't think he's got really going yet with the new style. Um, he was probably quite well suited to that counter-attack in football that Benitez was playing. Um, so that's, you know, that's been, a, I think that's been a, a difficult transition for him. Um, yeah. I think, I don't think the left-back support thing has, not, has been as much of an issue simply because when Dean was here under Benitez, there wasn't really much support coming from that flank anyway. It was more or less getting the ball down the field to Gray. Gray was going to cut in from the left on his right foot yeah. and get to, you know look, look for shooting opportunities, really. So that's, um, that's not really been as much of an adjustment. I think that Lampard's system, though, were he's going to want players up front to get more touches. I think having a progressive fullback on the left will will benefit Gray. Uh, unfortunately, we've we've not really had that balance with uh, Miklachenko, who's no. been kind of um, not really factored in so much yet uh, in the team. He, Lampard doesn't really seem to, uh, to trust them maybe as much as he should. Mm-hmm. So we've not had that balance. I mean, Kenny on the other, on the on the left side. Um, I mean, it's not really being ideal. I mean, he's a, a kind no. of a, wor- a workman like journeyman kind of right back. <laughs> so on the left, he, he's he's all that, but on his wrong foot. So <laughs> yeah, which is not not an ideal solution, really. Um, yeah. So I think that's the issues that that he's had. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, I think he's got the ability to to, to play in a more progressive way, but it's, I think it's. He's a work in progress right now. All right. Uh, Calvin, do you have, um, you know, anything you want to add to this? Yeah. Yeah. So, so Kevin, I, I agree with you, right? It's, it's definitely a mentality shift, you know, since Lampard's come in, right? He obviously wants possession. He wants his players on the ball, whereas under Rafa, it was much, you know, get vertical ASAP as soon as you win the ball. Um I, you know, under Rafa, I don't think necessarily we were very much of a pressing team either. So I think that mentality shift uh, it, it, it has definitely affected the players. Um, you know, formation-wise, right? We're not so different now. I mean, I guess unless we're playing the three-four-three, which is a bit of a radical shift, I think, in formation, right? Otherwise, whether we're playing a four-four-two with you know two sixes or a four-two-three-one. It's not very different from what we were doing under Rafa. But I think the difference is, is, is what are we doing when we have the ball? Are we trying to basically just get vertical and, and, and create a chance? And then as soon as we lose the ball, we fall back into this, 
you know, two blocks of four. Um, and, and I think that's, that's what is, is, is very different, right? And I think we're paying the price. I think the results have obviously not been great under Lampard. I don't think they tell the whole story. Right. I mean, we've had a couple of really heavy defeats, right? Recently, we had the, the Spurs loss, uh, the loss against Palace. But when, when you look at the players' body language, right? They, they just look defeated. They look defeated. They look demoralized. Um, you know, as soon as they go a goal down, it's, it, 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 they, they just give up, right? And, and that wasn't any different under Benitez either, especially the, the, the last phase, right? I will say the beginning of the season, the confidence was sky high and, you know, the players were going into any game against any opponent thinking they could, you know, they, they, they'd win or they, they'd managed to put in a good performance. So I, I don't want to focus too much on tactics here because I think the issue is the players, right? There's, there's no leadership, I feel, uh, on the pitch, off the pitch, in the dressing room, wherever you look at it. Um, um, There's definitely a hodgepodge of five, six different managers we've had, right? So it, it's almost like the new uh, director of football, Kevin Powell, is going to have to sit and make a list of players and say, okay, if Lampard's our guy going forward, who are the guys who can play Frank Ball, right? And, and those are your, from the past regimes, it's the Iwobis, it's the, and then the new signings, Dele Alli and, and Van der Beek, obviously Van der Beek's on loan. Um, and then look at all the other guys and say, hey, who has a future in this club and who needs to be on his way out because they're just not suited for this, for this kind of football. And I, I hate to say this about Demari Gray, but because I, I think he, he was brilliant for us to begin the season. But when is Gray at his best? His best years in, or his best phase in Leicester was when Leicester played that counter-attacking football, right? When Leicester won the league, they weren't playing possession football, right? They were all about the counter-attack. Gray breaks at speed, tries to find Vardy. Vardy, obviously, lightning pace, great finisher. And that's how they won the league. And so I think we're, we have too much of a cocktail of of players who just play different styles and are not necessarily well suited. Look at the Palace game, right? We were actually started, we started the game really well. And what changed? Townsend got hurt, Townsend came off, Gray came on, and immediately the, the press fell off, right? Gray is not a good presser. So there's, there's, there's a lot of this that we need to get through. And at some point, I think Lampard's gonna have to worry because especially now that safety is not secured yet, he's going to have to say, I might have to put aside my possession mantra and let's just get some points here, right? So if it means playing ultra-conservative, counter-attacking football for the next couple of games, especially the winnable games, or at least point, games we need to get points out of, I, I, I wouldn't be disappointed. I, I, I don't think at this point there's an Everton fan out there that's like, oh, I want to see pretty football. I really don't care about pretty football right now. We need points. We need points whichever way they come. And if it means playing like Burnley against Burnley, so be it, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I do have to ask though, Kevin, um, you know, obviously there's been a few standouts, namely the Crystal Palace match, the Tottenham match, and... Um, you know, the Newcastle match where we gave up three goals. But other than that, it's felt like this, this 
under Frank Lampard, it's a, been a host of one nothing, two nothing losses, two one like losses. Where under Benitez, we were scoring a lot more, but weren't defending as well, even with that counter attacking presence where we weren't holding possession and we were trying to defend and that was the main thing and now we have the possession and we're trying to attack and that's the main thing we're not scoring goals what how is that <laughs> what is the reasoning for that because it feels like it should be the other way around but um clearly it has not been it's a lack of creativity in the team in general um <clears throat> the team lost its creativity essentially uh, in the summer when we sold Hamas Rodriguez um, obviously we lost uh, another midfield player um, and then Dean was reduced in his contributions offensively and then marginalised and then sold um, so that, that I mean they were they were our three biggest um, XA uh, players from last yeah. year expected assists producers from the team and they were all gone um, by but it's before Lampard showed up um, so I mean playing the style of play the, uh, the style that he wishes to go with without any obvious creative players it's going to be difficult and I think that's why he brought Deli Ali and uh, Donny yeah. van der Beek in um, obviously he's not really got either of them going yet in terms of uh, creativity uh, I mean Ali's not really been a, a major factor on the pitch at all and van der Beek has, seems to have been shoehorned into a number six kind of sitting pivot type midfield player uh, position where he can't really contribute uh, because although he, he can be a, 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 a creative player, I mean, to me, it seems to be more short passes and one-twos around the opposition kind of 18-yard box. He's not the sort of player to, to be pinging cross-field passes and switches of play and through balls, 40-yard through balls. That, 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 that is just not his game. Yeah. He, attempt, he attempts very few. Van der Beek attempts very few long passes at, at all. So if you're looking for him to be the kind of the Andrea Perlo type, he, that, that isn't going to work at all. Um, I just think it's the, the lack of a clear number six that Lampard trusts uh, technically, is, which is why Van der Beek has been put into that position. Um, I, I think just, just to echo what, what Calvin was saying about Gray, yeah, I mean, Gray's been brought in for a particular system that no longer exists anymore with Everton, which is no surprise to anybody who's been watching tra- you know, transfer policy over the last six years. Well, we, we bring in players for 12, 18 months, and then all of a sudden that system's been, we bring another guy in with a different approach and buy a bunch of more players to play that system. And then a year and a half later, it's a reset. So yeah, this is how you end up with a you know a horribly mismatched squad, and it's how teams like you know Sunderland ended up getting relegated basically by doing this repeatedly, um, accumulating a huge amount of players, none of very few of whom suited the current guy's system, and they just spiral. And that's I mean I, th- I think you're seeing that with Everton right now, with someone like Gray, I think um, is obviously. With Everton's uh, FFP considerations, although Gray has been a standout player for us this season, I mean, in the summer, I think his position has to be looked at in terms of whether we need to move him on for a profit because we paid virtually nothing for him. He was almost a free transfer. We could probably we could probably get £20 million plus for him, really, if he was made available. And he probably isn't suited to Lampard's system. Mm. 
So, I mean, that's something just to look at. And, and, you know, I mean, I don't want to sell all our best players, but <laughs> I think it's something that we have to we have to look at for a rebuild because, yeah. ca- you know, cash is, cash is, is, is literally going to be what we can generate from sales can then be reinvested into the squad. Yeah, it's definitely going to be tough, and it, it kind of stinks, you know, because, again, he was... Um, he was so talented for us in the first half. And it's, yeah. you know, it's just that if he's not going to fit in the system, there's no reason to keep him around because that's when we get into situations right. like we have with a lot of players. Um, let's do, uh, you know, real quick, let's bounce it to just, let's, let's move on to just Frank Lampard here and, and kind of break it down a little bit deeper. Um, Calvin and, and Kevin, I'll ask you both this. Uh, let's talk about some things he's done well. Kevin, what would you say maybe one or two things that you've seen that he's done well, um, you know, since coming in here tactically? I think um, <clears throat> trying to reinstall some positivity in the players that they can play with the ball, that they have ability as footballers. I think that's a positive, yeah. um, a positive approach. Um, obviously, I think, I, I think it's reflecting at home as well. Uh, that the the fans are able to get behind the team that are that, that are looking at least to play on the front foot, and um, you know obviously every home team, um, every home supporter wants to see the team go out and play and try and dictate at home, um, and I think that you're seeing a very positive reaction from the crowd for that, mm-hmm. which is I think help it's feeding into the results. I think it's helping us get results at home. Yeah. It's, it's kind of almost more um, on effort rather than anything particular that like that stands out because I mean I'm looking at the XG stats since Lampard came in, um, not including the FA Cup games, and really the only time we've gone yeah. above 0.8 is the Leeds game, which is 2.1. Everything else is low, actually lower than the than on the Benitez, which is counterintuitive yeah. when you think that. We're playing more aggressive football, and Benitez was being slated for you know yeah. for for the, the passive approach. But in reality, we're not creating many clear-cut chances in games. What you what you would call a big chance, yeah. Um, and and away from home, it's been oh, it's been absolutely anemic. Just, there's just yeah. been very very little generated going forward, and yet the defense has still been wide open. Yeah, yeah. Um... Calvin, how about you? One thing that you've seen maybe that's that's improved tactically under Benitez. Or excuse me, under Lampard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, I, I got to say it. Tactically, I, I, I don't know if I can say I've seen much improvement, right? Um, I think the confidence factor is good though, right? I, I, I feel he's done a good job sort of uniting the fans and the players and sort of, you know, the one club mentality. Um, I think he's embraced that well, but tactically, I, I got to agree with Kevin there. I, I don't know if we're a better team uh, yet anyway. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, just to be fair, right. Uh, he, Lampard's not had much time to work with the, yeah. the squad at all. This international break, I think is the longest, time he's had with the players and even that's going to be a little disruptive you know obviously a few players are away on international duty um so i i I would like to reserve judgment on on lampard just because of uh the 
it, it's just such a confluence of so many like factors, right? Um, he yeah. came in, didn't have much time with the players, uh, brought in a couple of players he wanted, but hasn't really had too much time to integrate them into the system. Um, there's been injuries, uh, obviously confidence, uh, probably is at an all-time low right now, and then just, just this pressure of the relegation battle seems to be hanging heavy on yeah. on every one of the players every time they step onto the pitch. So, um, yeah. So, so I, I I don't even know if I want to say that tactically anything's changed. Um, he he's trying to get the t- players to play with the ball and. Again, when you have injuries, when you have just a new lineup every time you play, um, the player's confidence being completely shot, it, it, it's hard to see them do anything. And, and like I said, this is why I was, I was, I was, I was saying I, I really want Lampard to think about yeah. this next month or so as, as, as completely different than whatever number of years he's going to spend at Everton in the future, right? This, um, it, you know, he's got all the time in the summer to think about how he wants us to play expansive football um, in the future. But right now, I, I really want him to think very, very specifically and sort of maybe cater our tactics to the opponents that are coming up because there are winnable games, right? Um, yeah. I, I, I don't think I'd ever imagined a time where we would look at a game versus West Ham and go, geez, I don't think us we're coming away with any points in that one, right? But that, that is what it's come down to. So, I, 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 again, I, I, Frank's a very good speaker. Um, so, I think he does a pretty good job probably motivating the players and motivating the fans and sort of mm-hmm. uniting the fan base. Um, I, I just want him to continue to rely on that. I, I, maybe I'll give him that as his positive. So just just keep doing that. We we, we gotta get we gotta pull out of this this slump here. Yeah, I think you know the big thing for me. I said it on the podcast like a couple times already. Um, just I think with the pressure of relegation, it, it's a little hard to instill certain things that you want to instill and work with players and try new things and see what works and see what doesn't work because. There's really no place for that. There isn't time for that because every point matters, every game matters. So uh, it's been a little bit difficult with that. Now, you know, I think when Frank first came in, you know, the set pieces looked a little bit better. So, uh, you know, maybe that's tapered off a little bit since then. But, you know, at first it was good. um, And it seemed like they had, on both ends, they had seemed to figure something out there. Um, But, yeah, it's, it's very hard right now, I think, it's hard to judge Lampard with, you know, and I, you know, it's just the crop of players that he has, the, the tactics that he's trying to play. It's, it's, it's very hard with the pressure that he has on him and, and the club has on them, which was by their own doing. But, um, you know, I think it's hard to do what they want to do and, 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 you know, attack the way they want to attack, defend the way they want to attack. I mean, the injuries haven't helped either. So, um, like you said, Calvin, I think it's a matter of let's just get out of this relegation battle. Let's just get to next season in the Premier League. And then, um, you know, from there, then we can analyze who needs to stay, who needs to go, how we're going to, you know, of course, naturally, you know, he's not going to have a real season next year either because there's going to be a World Cup break in the middle of it. Um, yeah. so that'll be a fun, interesting thing to play around with, but, um, you know, at least he will have a fully rested squad, uh, for the, you know, for the beginning of the season and, 
and we'll see how that all uh, how that all plays out. Now we've talked about you know some of maybe you know the one good thing maybe that's come out of it. Let's talk about what's been worse, what needs to be worked done, what needs to be improved, what hasn't looked as great under Lampard, and and why we faltered maybe a little bit in some of these matches. Uh, Kevin, you want to just give us one thing uh, that you've seen that that has you know led to some of the you know less fun less uh less enjoyable matches we've seen i think it's unrealistic expectations of, of the players from lampard um i mean he cut a, a frustrated figure after the uh, the crystal palace uh, fa cup game um because the team essentially collapsed again after probably making the most positive start of uh, you know yeah. away from home under under lampard that we've seen i mean 25 minutes we well yeah, 25 minutes, I would say we pretty much were, were well in control, almost dominant, really. Obviously, Townsend went off, like Calvin uh, mentioned, and uh, Gray was not able to, uh, to, to to keep that level of uh, energetic pressing up the Townsend that had been putting in. Um, but And maybe that should have been an option there for Lampard to mm-hmm. take a step back um, and kind of play a bit more cagely. But they just commit, the team was just committed to that style. Uh, you know, and only able to make a breakthrough. Uh, I mean, I think I mean Vieira actually mentioned in his post-match um, some interesting comments that they knew that they, if they could just uh, with, you know withstand that and that open and barrage by Evan, which yeah. was primarily counter-pressing, um, turning the ball over, forcing them into mistakes, and then trying to get uh, opportunities on goal. If they could ride that out that they felt that they'd be able to bypass Everton's midfield and hit them uh, in the channels behind the wing-backs and stretch them. Um, and I think that played out perfectly, really. Um, and, I, and I think we looked a little bit one note. Um, there was no real great adjustment by us. Yeah, It was just more of the same, just, just trying to keep the intensity going. And realistically, that's not going to happen. There's no way you can play that way uh, for 19 minutes anyway. Nobody can play like, play like minutes, that. Yeah. Um, so I think that's it. I think he's unrealistic. I, I think he's, he, he needs to cut his cloth to the players that he has available right now, right. Um, and then maybe in the summer, with a, there can be a reset. He can offload players that are just not suitable and bring in guys who fit the system. Um, but trying to, I think just trying to trying to attack so much away from home and getting so few results and leaving a, a very fragile and unconfident defence to get exposed uh, time and again. I mean, we've all seen, I mean, we've seen the picture before, haven't we? You know, you can almost, mm. every every Everton away game at the moment, you kind of know what to expect, really. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, and I think, I think that's a disappointment. I think he needs to be able to show a bit, of, a bit more flexibility and play a bit more conservatively on the road. I mean, West Ham and Burnley are not expansive teams. Both of them will be quite happy to for, for us to come at them and then look to kind of do something on the break. Uh, I think both of them would struggle to create their own chances, but we but we'll but we will do that for them if we carry on playing the way we are. Exactly, Calvin. How about you? One thing you've seen that needs to be improved, I guess. Yeah, I'm I'm a little disappointed with Frank Lampard, sort of in-game management, right? I, 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 I feel he goes into games with sort of just one mindset that this is 
how he wants to see the team play and then just does not have a plan B in games, right? We we don't see us making any changes, any adjustments. Um, even when he makes substitutions, it feels like he's sort of the game's gotten away and he's, you know, it's, it's, he's not being proactive with his changes. And I, I, I'm, I'm just thinking about that, that Spurs game, right? I think within the first 10 minutes, we kind of knew how that was going to go, right? With the amount of space we were leaving behind for the likes of Harry Kane and Son to get into, right? And and and, and surely, I, again, I think it was a mistake going into the game with the game plan he did, but then he also did not show any interest in trying to change it, even after the horse had bolted the stable, as the saying goes, Right. It it was five nil. It could have been ten nil, and no one would have blinked, right? Because yeah. Spurs had that many chances in that game, and this, to continue to just you know put your head down and just keep doing the same thing when it's not working, you know. Apart from that whole thing about that being the definition of insanity, it's it's it, it's disappointing, right? It just shows that he doesn't have a plan B. Now, granted, it, it might be a, a time factor. He's not been here long enough to develop a, a sort of go-to plan. But just as any football manager, surely you have trained some sort of uh, different scenarios, right? You should have a, a game conservation scenario, right? So when you go into a game, um, how do you play the last 10 or 15 minutes with a lead, Right. Um, how do you play the last 10 or 15 minutes when you're one goal behind? These are all like trained scenarios that as a manager, um, especially with the manager, with the kind of experienced coaching staff he has, I, I, I'm, I'm surprised that, you know, like someone like Paul Clements not pulling him over and saying, hey, you know, Frank, we should reel it in. We should change this. It, it's just not happening. And it's, it, it's disappointing. So to me, that, that's the biggest miss so far. Under Lampard's being that this just he's not making adjustments and it's 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 it, it's killing the team. Yeah, I, I just I, I I I totally agree with that. I think you know it's even when he's making the adjustments when we're down a goal, it feels sometimes it feels like he's just putting on attacking players just to put on attacking players because we need to score just a goal. For the sake of it, right? Um, which right. again, it, listen, it's partially his fault, partially the fact that we have so many injuries and a lack of good quality creative sure. players to make a difference in that. And, and the other, you know, it's like a player like Deli Ali is, is better suited by, right behind the striker. But if you put do that and bring him on, then you have to change the formation. And so it, it creates a little bit of a, you know, with the formation he wants to play, it creates a little bit of a problem bringing on a player like him or, you know, so it, it limits some of the things he can do, but, um, but yeah, right. the game management has definitely been something where you feel like it's uh you know, it, it definitely could improve. Um, let's talk about some of those players, though, that haven't uh, been in the team. Let's start with one specific player, uh, Kevin, and then we'll expand it to maybe, uh, you know, a group of, you know, who you think other than that can stand out. I want to talk about Nathan Patterson because he had an exceptional game this past week for Scotland, you know, man-of-the-match type performance, according to those who uh, – um, you know, who watched the game and, 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 you know, what we've seen throughout the reports and whatnot. Um, but obviously still hasn't gotten much time. I, I'm not even, I think he got maybe one game for Everton so far. Uh, he's been in, in one, maybe two games. Um, 
it's been a big talking point because Coleman, as much as we love him, they've run him into the ground to the point where he's not even remotely the same player that he was. Um, we know what John Joe Kenny brings to the table. It's, it's good. It's okay. It's not great. Um, you know, not anything that's going to, uh, you know, get you excited. So let's talk about Nathan Patterson. Where does, can he fit into this team? Where does he fit into this team? How does he fit in this team? What does he bring to the table? Because it seems like at this point, it's worth making the move. I think absolutely. It should be. Um, I mean, spending so much money on a player that was very highly touted in a problem position for the club, a position that had been an issue for, you know, more than, probably more than a couple of seasons, really, but has been really, um, has been really noticeable during this campaign. Um, and then not seeming to trust the player. Um, I, I don't really understand where Lampard's coming from with that. Uh, he, did, he played 45 minutes against uh, Bournemouth Wood in the uh, FA Cup, uh, but was withdrawn. Yeah. Uh, withdrawn on the half. Um, I, th- I think that was a decision that puzzled a lot of people and disappointed a lot of people um, because he was not obviously doing anything wrong. Uh, I think Lampard talked about um, a lack of penetration. He was not really putting in the kind of um, quality balls that he wanted. Um, so he was sacrificed. Um, I think Kenny was retained, um, which was, uh, I don't know, a strange, strange uh, situation to find find yourself in, I think. Um, for me, he had, he had athleticism, energy, confidence. He's not been part of this team that struggled now for, for quite a while, really going way back into the second half of last season um, yeah. and struggling for consistent results and performances. I don't understand why, why he doesn't come in, but it's, you know, if he, if he comes in, Coleman goes out and Lampard seems to value, like, like all the, his predecessors, Coleman's um, experience and, you know, the fact that he's the captain. Um, I think Coleman gets a lot of, uh, he gets a, he's been getting a lot of stick this season, a lot of um, negative criticism. Um, for his performances, and yet, I mean, he has been quite poor, but he's not been the reason why Everton have been so poor defensively. He's, he's been he's been a reason, and I suppose if you're looking at a back four that are struggling or a back five that are struggling, I think Lampard's saying, thinking that well, I want to retain Coleman because of what he of what he offers in terms of being the captain, but I think he needs to figure a way to get Patterson on the on the pitch because we can't, we cannot spend all that money on the, on both fullbacks. And get relegated uh, without using it at all. That's, that, would just, that would just be stupid. Is there is there a, a way, Mayor? Maybe you can, you know, I, I don't know if this is, you know, we we played three at the back before. Maybe switch, you know, tuck Coleman inside to one of those right, like the right center back role, and maybe get Patterson in there. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I'm I'm trying to think of ways we can get back, keep yeah. him Coleman on the pitch and get Patterson in there, but you also don't want to take either of them out of that right back role because. You know, I think we've tried the not actual left back at left back thing way too many times already. Well, I think Patterson played uh, both of his games for Scotland during the international break. He's lined up as a right wing back. Um, okay. Yeah. But I mean, I I'm not convinced at all by Everton with a back three or a back five. Um, yeah. We've, I think five of Lampard's games we've lined up that way out of his ten matches. Um, the results have been inconsistent. I think we've had one really, 
one really good performance with that back three, which is against Brentford. Yeah, uh, is opening game. Yeah. Uh, you can discount the Bournemouth Wood game because you know the level of opposition um, and all the others have sure. been defeats. So it's one win, four losses. Uh, I don't know whether you can really hang your hang your hat on that as a as a win forward. Uh, plus, also three. I mean, if we play a back three, then you you're pretty much committing to a midfield two, and Everton just don't look at all comfortable. I don't think they got they haven't, they right. haven't got the personnel. Well, you're committing to a, you're committing to that, and unless you decide, well, then you'd have to take Gordon off the pitch, right? If well, yeah, you'd have like to sacrifice. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you'd have, you'd have to sacrifice your wide players, and that's yeah, yeah. one area that Everton are actually quite stronger. Yeah. So that's probably not a good idea. Just just yeah. for the sake of keeping Coleman on the on the field, I don't. Think, I think it's too much. Yeah. Personally. So I mean, pers- if I, if it was me, I'd have Coleman out and I'd have Patterson in and give at least give him a couple of games and see what happens. Yeah, I mean, what's the worst that can happen at this point, right? I well, mean, we, well, we've got, exactly. Our, our next two games are away anyway. We've been getting obliterated by everybody away from home. Yeah. So put Patterson in, <laughs> play a back four, and see what see how it goes. Sure. Especially <laughs> against a team like West Ham, where we're not like maybe against Burnley, maybe less so. Maybe you want to put Coleman yeah. in there. Oh um, yeah, yeah. I've seen in, that, in, yeah. A, in a match where it's it's absolutely necessary, we get three points. But mm. I don't think there's too many people picking us to beat West Ham this weekend. So no, you know, no, no. <laughs> it's uh, I, I think it's worth it, worth a shot. Um, the second thing I want to ask you is obviously Allen's out for the next two games um, against West Ham and um, and against um, Burnley. Um, who is best suited? How are we best suited to deal with that? What is the best situation? What, what is the best way for us to go about dealing without Allen for the next couple of games? Well, I'd go with 4 3 3 personally. Um, anyway, I, I just think it's, it suits our personnel better than the, the three at the back system that Lampard's been going with, or the 4 4 2 even. Um, obviously, without Allen, would normally be a shoe in, uh, in midfield. Takora has not played particularly well, but he's had a, an international break. I think he's playing with Marley, I think. Mm, yeah. Um, so hopefully that might get his head kind of uh, in a better position than, it, than it's looked recently. Yeah. So I'd go with a three-man midfield. I'd go with Takore. I'd go with Van der Beek. And if Delph is fit, play him as the number six. Play mm. those two guys ahead of him as, as kind of eight. Really. Yeah. I think that would be a decent system to go with. Um. Calvin, do you have anything that you want to add to these two these two things here? Yeah, yeah. So I, I'm, I'm thinking about what what uh, I guess the Leeds game aside, right? What was the best game we've seen under Lampard? And and I think it was that City game, right? I, even though it ended in a loss, right? It was yeah. it was a four three three, right? And yeah, I guess what was the difference between the four three three we played against City and the four three three we played against Spurs? Um, I, I think the Spurs four three three was a lot more expansive. I think we were trying to push way too far into the Spurs half, and we left way too many gaps behind, and they they just killed us on the counter, right? Whereas against City, we played a pretty compact four three three, right, and. And I thought we looked a lot better. And I, I think that, that that City game really should be the template for the, the, the games we're going to play against better teams. Yeah. And, and when I say better teams, you know, I, I mean the obviously better teams, your, your top six, your top seven in the league versus other teams that we should be getting points and wins from. 
Um, I, I think maybe we can still afford to be a little more expansive there. Um, but yeah, I just, uh, again, given this time, um, uh, this international break, and, and I guess the, there is the added factor, and Kevin, I'm glad you mentioned him, right? Because I think Fabian Delft was supposed to be like very close to getting fit again, right? And I think Lampard indicated that he expected him back after the international break. So that, that, that's a, a like for like. And if anything, a probably a better replacement than Alan for that classic number six role, because Alan does tend to wander and Lena you know, likes to go up front a little bit, gets caught out for pace behind. Um, so, you know, having Delph and fingers crossed, because uh, I, I don't recall Delph having played more than one game in a row for us without getting hurt. Uh, but uh, so, again, if we can get Delph back for these next two games, I, I think that goes a long way towards mitigating the loss of Alan. Yeah, I think also in terms of what we were talking about before, it kind of releases Donny Vandebeek from that, you know, I think Delph's a better passer than Alan is. He's a better, you know, midfielder in that sense so I think that might release Donny van de Beek yeah. to be a little bit more free in attack as well um sure. final question here unless Calvin you have something else after this but um players that we haven't mentioned Kevin that you think could improve this team that haven't been playing much players that that kind of deserve a shot here um that you think maybe could or deserve more time at least that that maybe could change things for Everton in this um in this setup well, I'll I'll throw a few in actually rather than rather than just the one kind yeah. of, but I'll I'll make I'll, I'll be brief, very brief. I think Mikhailenko. Did I call him Mikhailenko before? Mikhailenko. <laughs> I think it's the number of Russian and Ukrainian names that have been on the TV recently. Yeah. Mikhailenko. I think I think just for balance, that left-footed balance. I think that'd be it'd be a good idea to get him in. Mm. It, he's not looked convincing as yet, but I mean, expecting him to hit the ground running and look world-class immediately was always going to be a bit of a stretch. So I think I'd like to put him in and sure. at, least, at least give him a run to the end of the season now and see, see if he develops. I think El Ghazi, um, I don't know how much Lampard yeah. trusts him, I'd say probably not a lot, but the guy does offer a bit, a bit of pace and a, a goal threat, which we, which we definitely need. He's, he's a bit yeah. different than the other winger yeah. options. With Townsend being in, now being injured, I'd like to see Al Ghazi maybe get some chances in games, maybe when we need to go from somewhere. Because I, I think yep. he's the sort of guy that can, you know, can do something from that, nowhere. Yeah. Um, the, the the main person I'd mentioned though was uh, I think Deli Ali. Yeah. We need to figure a way to get him on the pitch mm-hmm. to start games. Um, I know he's he's not looked particularly impressive yet. Just that one real. Passed to uh, Rondon, I think. Um, yeah, which was almost the goal against uh, Leeds. I think it was. Yeah, Leeds. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But other than that, I mean, the, he's played six. I think six sub appearances um, of varying length. I think every, almost every time, it's been chasing, chasing uh, a result. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think some players maybe are just unconvincing as substitutes. He's never really been a substitute as a player. Yeah. I mean, he went from MK Dons, where he was a starter, into Tottenham, where he was a starter, and then he fell out of favour. And, and surprisingly, that's when his form's dipped, when he's being in and out of the team. I think we need to try to get him on the pitch, because he is, if, he can, if, he, if we can get 80% of, what, of the player that he was a couple of years ago, he, 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 he could yeah. really contribute. 
and offer, offer a goal threat. He, he's, he's, he's got that flair at the top end of the pitch that we, we, we really lack. Yeah. That little, that little bit, you know, that little ability to kind of pick a pass that nobody else mm-hmm. sees mm-hmm. or maybe take a shot from a, a strange angle. Just anything like that. I mean, he's shown glimpses of it, but not enough. Uh, and I think I'd like to see if we can get him on the pitch. Whether we can do that, though, uh, uh, and because it means playing him behind Calvert-Lewin and with, with them with a, a conventional midfield too, which, again, is not, we've not looked overly convincing at. So maybe that's the reason why he's not, he's not being a major factor as, as of yet. But, yeah. I mean, for me, we need to try and get him on, on the pitch. Yeah, I totally agree. I, 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 I couldn't agree more with that. I think he needs to be on. He's probably, if we talk about lack of creativity, he might be our most creative player. So, um, Calvin, right. anything yeah. you want to add to that or uh, any other questions you want to ask, Kevin? Uh, I think just that, that, that last word on Patterson, right? Everton have had enough games where the, the scoreline has been that the game is over long, long before the, the last 20 minutes of the game, right? Yeah. Why, why wouldn't he use those opportunities to give the Pattersons and the El Ghazis uh, when he's been on the bench, you know, th- those last minutes, right? Just, I... I I, I simply don't get it, right? I understand the hesitation when it's a closed game, but a lot of those games have not been closed games. Again, that, that entire second half against Spurs, that should have been his, his playground to try out whatever the hell he wanted because yeah. that scoreline was not getting better. So uh, just I, I think there's a certain level of obstinacy we're seeing here from Lampard, which I, I really, really want, want him to correct over this break. But yeah, I think that's all. All right. Kevin, anything else you wanted to add before we move on to West Ham? Well, yeah, just to, just to kind of echo uh, Calvin's thoughts there. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think Lampard has shown a little bit of hard-headedness, which is a bit surprising. I, I'd not yeah. really anticipated that. He seems just unwilling no. to give those younger players. I mean, obviously, he's in, he's in a difficult situation. Yeah. He needs points, so yeah. he, can't, he can't really afford to kind of Blood players and give them game time and meaningless kind of matches. Everything is every game is important, so I understand that. But when the guys who are keeping them out of the team are, are, are routinely disappointing, funny, I, don't really, yeah. I don't really see what you've got to yeah. lose from giving some of these other, other guys a chance. Yeah, no, I, I look, I, look I, at a Wobi. I mean, he's yeah. thrown a Wobi in a couple of times and he's and he's it's worked out. Nobody that. would have anticipated, yeah. really. So, why not? Yeah, no, I, I agree. I agree completely. I just at this point, you know, yes, the other players you may trust are, you know, are, are you know, maybe players you want to play, but it doesn't seem to be getting us any better results. So if we're going to lose mm-hmm. one nothing or five right. nothing, we're still losing. <laughs> we're still not getting any points. So we might as well at least see what these yep. other players have, especially some of the guys like, um, like El Ghazi or, you know, who, who we have on loan, but an option to buy, like, we can't keep doing this. We've got to at least see what these guys have so that we can see if they have anything to add to the team so we can buy them if we want to. You know, mm-hmm. in the end, it's like, you know, the Josh King situation. Like, we didn't really play him. So how would we really know whether he was good enough to stay, you know? So, and it's not like it's a big fee. You know, obviously for us it is now. But, um, but yeah, I think it's, it's time to give some of these guys a chance. And I think you're right, Kevin, you know, under Lampard, I think we expected to see a lot more of the young kids, but I also agree, you know, in the situation he's in, it's kind of hard to 
you know, right now his main goal is to get out of relegation and keep us in the league. I think we'll see, you know, maybe not even just from a tactics point, but from a who he plays point, a completely different Lampard if we, you know, get out of this and, and in the, you know, continue to be in the Premier League next season. I think we'll see a completely different Lampard in terms of his selection. It's just that right now got a lot of pressure there. And it's, uh, it's not, not really helping the team that, we, that we're in this pressure, I think. So we'll see. Yeah. Um, all right, let's take a quick break. Um, and um, we're going to come right back. Uh, real quick, before we take the break, though, keep an eye out. Kevin is working on an article for, for the site that's going to highlight some more of those Lampard, you know, some more of the Lampard good, some more of the Lampard bad, and, and kind of, um, you know, detail what's been the past few weeks for Everton since or past couple months now, I guess, since he's joined. Um, so definitely keep an eye out for that. But we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to come back with a preview of West Ham. All right, we're back, and we're talking about West Ham. The match taking place Sunday, April 3rd uh, at 9 a.m. over here uh, in America. What's that, uh, 2 p.m. for you guys over there in England, Kevin? Uh, yes, I think it is, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah, I just I know there was a, uh, you know, when we hit daylight saving time and you guys hit it a little differently or however <laughs> yeah. it works, the times get messed up. But, um, but 2 p.m. over there in England. That's right. Um, just a couple quick points, a couple quick notes uh, on the match. Following, uh, you know, their one nothing win at Goodison Park, West Ham will be looking to complete their first league double over Everton since 1972-73 campaign. Um, on the good, on the good point, on the good part, Everton, despite their away away woes, they've only lost one of their last 13 Premier League away games against West Ham. Uh, that was back in 2018. Um, they've won more Premier League game away games against West Ham than against any other side. So that's, I guess, a, a good thing. And West Ham have that's lost. Two, <laughs> yes, West Ham have lost two of their last uh, three Premier League games. Just one win, um, which is as many as they had in their previous nine. But at home, they're looking to consor- con- looking to secure their third consecutive league win. Um, Everton have won fewer points away from home. That's no shocker to any of us here than any other side in the Premier League this season. They've won just six points away from home. Um, the Toffees are currently without a win in 11 away league games. Uh, they've drawn twice, lost nine. Um, that's their longest since a run without a win in uh, 16 between February and December of 2017. Um, and Everton are winless in nine Premier League games played on a Sunday, losing eight of those um, away from home. The Toffees have won just four of their last 36 league games on Sundays, uh, though all those victories have been against London clubs. So the good, the bad, the ugly, um, it's all there for you. Uh, Everton playing at London Stadium. West Ham currently sitting um, – currently sitting in seventh place on 48 points through 30 matches. Um, they've had a mix of results over their last five, a draw, a couple wins, a couple losses, um, but haven't looked like the West Ham that we were used to seeing towards the back end of last year uh, in the beginning of this season. Um, definitely a little bit worse off than they've been. Um, 
but you know, still a challenge for us as we've, again, as you hear from those statistics and, and from what we've seen, just we've been awful away from, away from home. So um, as we currently sit, sit in 17th, 25 points, um, we've only played 27 matches. We're three, uh, three games in hand over Leeds and Brentford, who are directly above us. Two games in hand uh, over Watford, who is directly below us, um, and three points above them in the um, in the relegation battle. Um, let's start here. I typically say, "How do you expect us to line up?" But let's start with what is the best lineup for Everton to trot out there? <laughs> because I think a lot of us can probably predict what we expect to line up. Probably going to be none of the same, despite the fact that we just sat here and said we would like to see something different. But Kevin, we'll start with you. What is the best lineup for us to trot out against West Ham? Well, I, I have to hope that we go at last with a with a four three three. I mean, this is Lampard's, you know, kind of preferred formation historically. I don't really see any yeah. reason, particularly why he should be deviating away from that with Everton. It's not like we obviously have um, a squad that is totally suited for a, a different a different formation. So I'd, I'd like to see us play a 4-3-3. Um, I'd like to see him give Patterson a chance and Michalenko um, at left-back. I think Michael Keane will play uh, because he's the, probably the best the best passer that we have and the most probably the most reliable, oddly enough. Central defender um, alongside maybe Godfrey. I don't know. Godfrey or Holgate, take your pick, really. Yeah. The midfield three that I'm, I mentioned, I'd like to see obviously Delph, Decore, Van der Beek. Um, up top, Calvert Lewin, um, if he's fit. If he isn't, an unpopular choice, but I'd go with Rondon mm. ahead of Richarlis. And I think Richarlis is so ineffective uh, as a central centre forward. Um, especially on the road, uh, I just don't. He just doesn't hold the ball up. He doesn't link play up at all. Yeah. Uh, moving to the left, mm. right hand side. I'd be inclined to go with Gray, or possibly even a Wobie, um, and maybe drop Gordon to the bench. Um, I think we need people who can retain the ball better than either of those two players have have shown recently. Um, and can maybe link up play with, with Calvert-Lewin and Richarlison. I think maybe Iwobi could be the better option there. Um, and play kind of like, like what Calvin was suggesting earlier, that kind of Man City style, really. Kind of a, a little bit, maybe not as as, as defensive, but, but sit back in a kind of a yeah. mid to low block and... Just don't press in the in the opposition half. Invite them on, and then try to to do something yeah. on the counter attack. Mm-hmm. Calvin, how about you? What are your thoughts on um, the what the lineup should be this yeah. weekend? So uh, inclined to agree. Everton, I think, have looked their best in the four three three. I think depending on Delft's fitness. Right, that that might become a big factor there because if Delph is fit, uh, you know, I'm just looking at what West Ham have played or what they've lined up in, and West Ham have mostly been in a four-two-three-one, occasionally switching to sort of a four-three-three. Um, so I'd like to see us match them, right? Um, obviously, I think they've got a better quality player or better quality players in most of the positions on the pitch than what we have currently. 
Um, but just 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 a, a bit of a slightly different tack at it, right? So I think we all agree, Richarlison's not at his best when he's like sole striker, right? And Dom also plays at his best when he has someone playing right off him, right? So he can go up in the air, win the headers, knock him down with someone, or you know just play with his back to goal and have someone set up uh, a pass for him to run onto. So. In that case, then, you know, some sort of a 4-4-2-4-4-1-1 could maybe be an interesting play for Everton, right? So I agree it puts us at two midfielders again, which has not been a strength for us. But if we were to go with a 4-4-2 with Richarlison and Dom up top, um, and then, you know, sort of try and cover the midfield by not necessarily having out-and-out wide players in your midfield four, Right. Uh, again, take your pick and who want, who you want to play there, whether you have Delph, um, Delph, Van der Beek, um, between Gordon and Iwobi. Maybe if Iwobi is playing out on the right, Gordon on the left as your wide midfielders, um, you have a little more defensive co- cover in the middle. But that almost also sets up uh, Delhi Ali to come on in the second half, right, and replace either one of Richie or Dom. And, and play off the striker, because that's where Delali had his best success, right? Playing off Harry Kane. Um, that, 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 that might be a way to go, but otherwise, uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised or disappointed if we match them in the midfield with, you know, uh, three as well. Because, I mean, the four-two-three-one is basically a glorified three-man midfield anyway. So I, I'd like to see that. Um, I, I will tell you, I will be quite ticked off if I see us go out there in a 3-4-3 again or some 5-4-1 <laughs> so whatever formation that that's that, that just gotta go yeah I, I mean I will keep you know banging the drum for the 4-2-3-1 as I have been for weeks because I just I mean I wouldn't mind seeing Richarlison play out wide again I don't think you know I think we've for some reason this season, we've just completely mixed that because when Dominic Calvert-Lewin got hurt, he played central forward the entire time. Like, yeah. why don't we throw him out left, throw Gordon out right, put Deli Ali right behind Dominic Calvert-Lewin up top, gives the ability for, yeah. like you said, Dominic Calvert-Lewin to head the ball down to Deli Ali with his face running with his face towards the goal. And then you have Richarlison and Gordon making runs towards the net. It gives you that ability you could do some sort of maybe double pivot if you wanted to, or putting of uh, putting Van de Beek sure. and Delph in the middle if you wanted to. Um, you know, you could play around with that midfield too there. Um, and then of course the back line, I think we should see Patterson again. I, I think this is a match that if we lost three nothing, nobody would be surprised whether Seamus Coleman was on the pitch or Patterson was on the pitch. Right. Exactly. Um, I think we're gonna see Godfrey. I think that they were maybe at least a tiny bit better um, at points with him in there. Um, and then probably like, you know, I think, I think Kevin, you said it probably keen. Um, and then I would guess, I don't even know. I mean, again, it's like, you would think that they would put Michael Anko out there in a typical four back in a four, like a, you know, a, a back line of four. Um, but you know, it could be they could shift Godfrey out there. They could shift John Joe Kenny out there. I wouldn't. I wouldn't even know. Like I don't. I don't know. They they play so many people at that role that aren't <laughs> left backs that you know it could be anybody. So um, Ashley Ashley Cole maybe. Yeah, exactly. Maybe Leighton Baines yeah. will will take a trip out there. Um, honestly, might be better than playing. You know, 
a, a center back at left back for the 15th straight match. John Joe Kenny. Um, John Joe Kenny. Um, what are some of the threats? And Calvin, we'll start with you. What are some of the threats that we should be aware of? Some of the threats that West Ham pose to this Everton side yeah. on Sunday? So I think why I admire the Hammers are they're very fluid side, right? They've got a lot of talented players who um, are sort of multi-talented, multi-footed, you know, can play either side of the pitch. I'm thinking of folks like Ben Rama, you know, Lanzini. These guys are creators. Obviously, Antonio is this uh, very unique mix of speed and size. Um, he is he's fearsome when he's at his best because he can he's like a complete striker right he he can win balls in the air he's got blazing speed uh, he just provides this physical threat that um, I, I'm really sad we're not going to have Yeri Mina on the pitch to deal with him because uh, I think Mina is probably a good matchup for him um, he's going to leave Keane in his dust if Keane starts venturing too far forward so. Um, I, I, I think I think it's going to be a challenging game. Uh, I think Pablo Fornals uh, gets a lot of stick, uh, but you know he, he's been playing really well uh, recently. Yarmolenko, uh, old name that has uh, plagued Everton in the past, and Yarmolenko, um, to his credit, despite what's going on in his home country of Ukraine, I think he's played really well. I think he's actually bagged a couple of goals as well yeah, recently. Yeah, he definitely did. He did, right? Yeah. yeah. And then another familiar name to Evertonians, uh, Nikola Vlasic. I think he's getting some games for them too. So, yeah, we they're definitely dangerous. Uh, Declan Rice is, I think, one of my favorite midfielders in the English game. I, and he's, I just love the his composure on the ball. I really wish, wish, wish we had a player like him. I don't think Everton would have been even in the bottom half of the league had we had a player like Declan Rice. So, uh, uh, you know, they're, they're in the unique position where... Um, they're fighting for Europe, and he's got, uh, when I say he, I mean David Moyes, uh, obviously another familiar face for us. Um, he's got about 15, 16 players who are all Premier League top 10 caliber, and that's a, that's a very good position for them to be in. Kevin, how about you? Uh, some of the things that uh, West Ham do that pose a threat to Everton on Sunday. Well, they're quite direct. Um, obviously, Antonio was a... He's a, he's a handful, and like you know, I'd feel happier if, like Calvin said, if Mina was available. Me too. I, I think um, I think Keane can can handle him in terms of aerial presence. Um, if he's caught, obviously uh, in open space, he could be that could be a problem. But I think otherwise, you could probably deal with him aerially. Obviously, Bowen's dangerous uh, coming off the right hand side. Jared Bowen. Um, Again, yeah. that's gonna—I mean—that's gonna be a weak area for us, left left back really, uh, and left-sided centre back, in fact. Um, which means I don't know—it's possible that Lampard might, with one one eye on that, might decide to play Godfrey at left back, um, and, and just play Holgate inside alongside Keane. Gives us like three centre backs really on that side of the field, which is their yeah. dangerous danger side. Possibly mm-hmm. that could be something to look at. Um, Declan Rice. Um, you know, different system and everything else, but completely dominated the game at Goodison Park that we played early in the season. Uh, we gave him a, you know, he, he, it was a kind of a man-of-the-match performance from Rice. Um, he was getting hailed uh, from all, all corners, really, uh, as, you know, the complete midfielder. So we can't do that. Yeah. We can't allow that to happen again. Uh, and he's not really a game, a goal threat or anything like that, but he's, he's the kind of player that can dictate and take control of the match. 
Um, so having those three midfielders, or as you say, if if we do play Ali, Deli Ali, as an attacking mid, mm-hmm. I mean, he, he does press actively, to be fair, so that wouldn't necessarily leave us as lightweight, say, in the middle, as if, yeah. you know, say, Gray or Gordon were playing there. They're a bit kind of, a bit more kind of flighty sort of players. Ali can press actively, so from the front. So that I mean, that could be an interesting strategy to, to try and uh, stop Rice getting the ball so much and just controlling the game. Yeah, I think that's a, a great point, is just having somebody in that role right behind the striker might be able to take that, um, you know, pressing-wise, take that that pass to Declan Rice, maybe out of the play there, and um, at least keep him off the ball a little bit more than, you know, if you played a back, you know, if you played, obviously, two in the midfield or maybe didn't play somebody as far up right behind the striker. But, um, yeah, I think, you know, um, right up the middle, you guys have said it. I mean, Fornal, Suchek, um, you know, the – Declan Rice, Mikel Antonio, those are the players that scare me the most. Um, you know, Fornals has been really good for them. Calvin, you have something? Uh, yeah, I think Bowen's still injured, isn't he? I think I thought he had an issue with his foot in that game against Liverpool, and he might be touch and go for this game. I don't think he's back yet. Yeah, so that'll oh, definitely be push. a good yeah. thing. That'll be a good thing for for. Oh for yeah, the, the, the middle he of was that, in form when he went yeah. out. Their yeah. mid, their midfield, and really. I mean, they've had you know a couple of struggles maybe defensively, but their midfield is is the the key of their team along with Antonio and their connection with Antonio. So that'll be you know really the key to watch out for. Um, let's go real quick now to predictions um, so we can wrap this this episode up. Uh, Calvin, we'll start with you. Your prediction for this one. Man, I want to be positive, but uh, I'm going to go with West Ham three one. Unfortunately. Kevin, how about you? Right, well, um, I'm feeling super optimistic because we've got such good weather at the moment here, with it being, <laughs> I think, uh, zero degrees at the moment. Um, I'm going to go for 1-1. One, one. I'm going to think that Frank is going to see the light and he's going to do exactly what we think he should do and play a three-man <laughs> midfield and a fairly conservative game plan. And it was going to be one one. And I think something that I meant to meant to mention as well is that uh, West Ham. Uh, I've got a re- really important uh, Europa League quarter final um, on the Thursday against Lyon. Ah, oh, there you go. Yeah, good. So, That's and, true. I, and, I, and I think That's realistically, I mean, I, I, in terms of league position, unless they, they really finish strongly, I think they're going to fall outside of even the Europa League spots. Yeah. I think Europa League conference, so that conference league thing. It's going to be the, the, yeah. their target, which is not really... It's like a booby prize, really, isn't it? <laughs> so I think, um, I think maybe they may switch focus now for... Now, now they're in the, in, in the last eight, they may switch focus towards Europa League games because they could win that, potentially. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, of um, course. Potentially, yes, absolutely. I hope. And that gets you into the Champions League too, right? Exactly, yeah. yeah. I mean, they have absolutely... I mean, I think technically they have a chance of Champions League qualification through the league, but realistically... Yeah, the position yeah. is so poor. I think they've played more games than anybody else, haven't they? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Every, everybody else has got points on them and games in hand, so that's not going to happen. I mean, there's six points behind Arsenal mm. and they've played two games more. So you know, that, that isn't going to happen now. Um, so, yeah, we, I mean, we might catch them just transitioning towards a focus on Europa and that midweek game. So, who knows? That could work out, <laughs> work out well. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. I am going to be less optimistic. 
Um, I've done this for too long to know that my optimism never works out. So I'm going to say two, one, I'm going to say it's a good match. I'm going to, I'm going to say it's a good match and, and you know, Everton just fall two one, which I think, listen, if we play well enough against the team on the road and we lose two one on a 75th minute goal, that might be even enough to just say, okay, maybe, you know, we're, we're taking steps in the right direction. So the, the, we'll the, way, we, the way we've been, sorry, the way we've been, yeah. I think a 2-1 loss on the road to West Ham would almost seem like a victory at this stage. Just. just <laughs> yeah. So, um, no, yeah, I think so. Um, I, I think so too. I think, I think, you know, just showing, showing some improvement uh, might, might help us <laughs> might, might be good for the, uh, the, you know, just showing that we can compete in these games on the road would be a big boost ahead of the Burnley match on Wednesday. So we'll see. We'll see. Um, all right, Kevin, anything else you want to add? Uh, I think we've covered everything. I think. All right. Awesome. All right. So that's it, Kevin. Thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it as always. Well, thank you very much for inviting me on. Of course, of course. And thanks to Calvin, of course, for joining us as well. And, and to you guys out there, thank you for, um, for listening and, and subscribing. And we ask that you just continue to do that. Keep downloading the episodes, whatever you got to do to get the episodes. Um, please do that. And we appreciate all the support. That's it from us. And we'll talk to you guys next week.